rising sea levels, extreme weather patterns, extinctions of species. Our planet needs protecting. I'm Adam Vaughan, the Environment Editor for The Times, and this is Planet Hope from The Times, in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. In this podcast, we hear from leading experts from around the world who are committed to finding solutions. These explorers, scientists, entrepreneurs and citizens are committed to a common goal, to protect our home, Earth. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. This is your Times Daily World Briefing on Monday the 28th of February. I'm Christian Smith. And I'm Emily Wither. Ukraine enters a crucial 24 hours as Russian forces continue to advance and peace talks are set to begin. I do not really believe in the outcome of this meeting, but let them try. And the Taliban cracks down on weapons in Afghanistan. Times of London Daily World Briefing. Ukraine has entered what President Volodymyr Zelensky has said will be a crucial 24 hours, with Russian troops understood to be just 30 kilometers outside the capital. Ukrainian officials have said that more explosions were heard overnight in Kyiv and the country's second city, Kharkiv. There were also reports of missile strikes in two northern cities, and the southeastern city of Mariupol was reportedly under attack on Monday morning. Ukraine's interior ministry reported on Sunday night that 352 Ukrainian civilians had been killed so far, including 14 children. Talks between Ukraine and Russia are still expected to begin on Monday. In a televised address, Zelensky said that he needed to exhaust every avenue to stop the war. I will say frankly, as always, I do not really believe in the outcome of this meeting, but let them try, so that later not a single citizen of Ukraine has any doubt that I, as president, tried to stop the war when there was even a small chance. Russian President Vladimir Putin also ordered Russia's nuclear deterrent forces to high alert on Sunday. Ben Hodges is the former commander of U.S. Army forces in Europe. He told Times Radio that the West needs China's support in the face of Putin's nuclear threat. Yes, we have to take it serious. But of course, for him, it cost him nothing to threaten this because he knows that we will all be extremely uneasy about the possibility. So this is part of the leverage that he will try to use. But it will cost him everything if he does, in fact, use even a low-yield, small, tactical nuclear device, which is why we need China putting all kinds of pressure on Russia. The UN Security Council also called a rare General Assembly session on the war, scheduled to be held on Monday, as Ukraine's representative to the UN labelled Putin's nuclear threat as extremely dangerous. It is extremely alarming that the Russian president has supported, has resorted today to open nuclear blackmail. The world must take this threat very seriously. In a concerning development, a source close to the Russia-affiliated private militia, the Wagner Group, has told the Times that more than 400 Russian mercenaries are in Kyiv, with orders from the Kremlin to assassinate President Zelensky and his government. Part of a plan to prepare the ground for Moscow to take control of the country, the mercenaries have been told that the Russian president wants a brief pause to show that he's negotiating with Zelensky, but assured them that no deal would be reached. 
Meanwhile, governments across the world have continued to take action against Russia's invasion, following a week of increasing economic sanctions that have been described as economic war. Russians woke up on Monday to a currency in freefall, prompting them to raise its key interest rate from 9.5 to 20% as the ruble plunged by 30% to its lowest ever level against the US dollar. The opening of the Moscow Stock Exchange has also been delayed to manage the crisis. The US, UK and EU have also taken the unprecedented step of banning any transactions with the Russian central bank, making its reserves useless. Chief economist at investment banking firm Panmur Gordon told Times Radio that the moves on Russia's central bank were much more significant than banning Russia from SWIFT. There has been a lot of attention over the weekend last week about uh, the SWIFT mechanism of of payments. That was a little bit of a red herring regarding how impactful it would be on the Russian state. By contrast, this announcement on the Russian Central Bank that it cannot act as a counterparty in terms of selling off those assets, which are largely held with other G7 banks, um, is going to make an enormous impact on its ability to protect protect financial conditions in, in, in Russia. Russia is also being condemned for creating a refugee crisis in Europe. The UN says an estimated 368,000 people have so far fled the conflict, mostly to Poland and other countries on Ukraine's western border. Janusz Lanaczyk is the European Commissioner for Crisis Management. He said that Europe was facing its biggest humanitarian crisis in many years, and the number of Ukrainians internally displaced could be more than 7 million. Russian state media continued to minimise the war's significance, but it's been reported that nearly 6,000 people have been arrested in Russia for anti-war demonstrations. On Sunday, the EU announced that all member countries had unanimously agreed to take Ukrainian refugees for up to three years without asking them to first apply for asylum. It comes as decades of German foreign policy doctrine were torn up in the course of one speech from German Chancellor Olaf Scholz. Pacifism has long been strong in Germany due to the country's history, and a post-war pledge included not supplying weapons to conflict zones. But the new chancellor announced significant new spending on the military in light of Russia's invasion, while also providing weapons to Ukraine in what he called a turning point for the continent. On the way, the Taliban make thousands of house raids, and Harry and Meghan are honoured with a top award. Times of London Daily World Briefing. Western nations have roundly condemned President Putin's decision to place Russia's nuclear forces on high alert. The Russian leader has said that he took the decision because of aggressive statements from NATO and the imposition of sanctions. Last night, Belarus took a step closer to abandoning its non-nuclear status after a referendum approved the change to the country's constitution. 65% of voters said yes to this change, which will allow the country to host nuclear weapons, a result not surprising under the tightly controlled rule of President Alexander Lukashenko. After the referendum, anti-war protests in several cities broke out, and at least 290 people were detained. This comes as it's understood the Russian ally is now prepared to send its own soldiers into Ukraine to assist with the invasion. 
While the world watches events in Eastern Europe, the COVID-19 pandemic rumbles on. On Monday, New Zealand started opening up again after essentially two years of only allowing limited numbers of citizens to return. Vaccinated Kiwi citizens with a negative test will be allowed in from Saturday without any need to isolate. No decision has been made yet on tourists. But the shift in approach comes as the country's COVID cases skyrocket for the first time in the pandemic. On Monday, the country reported just shy of 15,000 community cases for the day, a five-fold increase from a week earlier. Meanwhile, a protest occupying New Zealand's parliamentary grounds, inspired by Canada's Freedom Convoy, reached the three-week mark on Monday. Henry Cook is the chief political reporter for New Zealand's most popular news website, Stuff, and told Times Radio what the protesters want. The big goal is the end to all the vaccine mandates. Um, so here, um, here in New Zealand, you need to have two doses of the vaccine. The Pfizer one for us to uh, work in, in healthcare, um, to work at the border, to do a variety of public sector jobs. Uh, and also, if you if your cafe or restaurant or club or whatever wants to open with anything like normalcy, normalcy, you have to require people to have vaccines to enter, vaccine, a vaccine passport system, and require your staff to be vaccinated. We move to Kabul now, where the Taliban have been searching for weapons in thousands of house-to-house raids over three days. Armed Taliban fighters are entering homes, taking knives to cushions and dumping drawers on the floor. While past raids were not announced and were generally conducted at night to reduce visibility, the new operation is conducted in broad daylight. Spokesman for the Taliban, Zabiullah Mujahid, said in a news conference on Sunday that the raids were not against the citizens of Kabul, but against thieves and kidnappers who cause misery to our society and put the lives of Afghans in danger. He described the conduct of the fighters as professional, but several Kabul residents who were searched have claimed that they were mistreated by the fighters. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. And now, with the latest on FIFA's response to the Russian invasion, here's John Jackson. FIFA have come under criticism for their response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. World football's governing body has stopped short of banning the country from competing, instead allowing them to continue to play matches, albeit with a number of restrictions. Games will take place at neutral venues and only under the name Football Union of Russia. They'll also be without their flag or anthem and could face further sanctions should the situation not improve. However, this announcement was swiftly criticised as insufficient by the Polish Football Association, who along with the Czech Republic and Sweden are in the same World Cup playoff path as the Russians. All three nations have refused to play Russia at the current time, with England and Wales releasing similar statements on Sunday. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. Harry has said he and Meghan were brought together for a reason, as they were honoured at the NAACP Image Awards. It's America's largest and most distinguished civil rights organisation, with more than two million activists, set up in 1909 in response to ongoing violence against black people. Harry and Meghan appeared in person to accept the top honour, the President's Award, which recognises special achievement and distinction 
distinguished public service. In his acceptance speech, Harry said he and his wife share a commitment to a life of service, a responsibility to confront injustice and a belief that the most overlooked are often the most important to listen to. And finally, it seems paganistic rituals are making a comeback in the Baltic states, bringing with it a flowering of new shrines and demands for equality and religious recognition. After the region was recaptured by the USSR in 1944, neo-paganism was banned. But now the neo-pagan movement, the Dev Toriba, are campaigning for the tenets of their faith to be taught in schools, for their sacred days to be given the same status as Christian holidays, and for their marriage ceremonies to gain the same legal force as Catholic weddings. And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Monday the 28th of February. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.